Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We're your hosts. I'm Randy. And I'm Joe. This is episode 139 of our show, and the date is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. We are trying to rumble. Yeah, rumble didn't work today for some reason. Yeah, I got an I got a I got a, an excuse. We do have retro enthusiast. If you can let them know over there, we're having issues. We're having technical difficulties, folks. It worked fine last week, but this week it's just it's just uh, sitting there. So, huh, um, why don't you, you jabber a bit there? What's that? Yeah, I was just saying if you heard that. Hey, so yeah, hungry Ewok, welcome, dude. I've seen you in a while. Tunk Todd, big bad RPG Rambler, Dorothy, Patrick's in the house. Late. For 13.4 seconds, a Benny will be deducted tomorrow night in the Deadlands game. Hey, Flady, Green Apple. Mr. Hunt. <laughs> Arn Man, Martinson. Mr. Blavan. Mr. Reactionary Principal Gaming. Uh, who else is here? Tom Tata said, I don't know if RPG is dumb and Zero Infinity Live is here, but hello, everybody. Red Shift, what is up? So it is about... Time to do some podcasting via the YouTubery. That's not correct language, right? That's not technically podcasting. What are we doing? What's that? We're not technically podcasting, are we? Well, no, we're not. The, what we're doing is we're live streaming, and then after the fact, we uh, take the audio out mm -hmm. and um, process that and put it in. A podcast. Darth has figured out. He's as big as Geek is having technical issues, so things are running like normal. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. We're funny. What's up, Malachi? You missed it all, dude. It was the best show ever, and the Crafting Gamer agrees. <laughs> That's what you missed. <laughs> uh, retro Enthusiast over on Rumble. We're having issues, bud. I don't know if you can even hear me with that. So is it like if, if I play it at Rumble, do you hear, the, do you hear this, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, well, I mean. What is the deal? That's weird. Okay. Let me do this and then this. Well, Martinson. Hold on, hold on. There. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm hitting the play button. And what it's doing is it's playing the, uh, they have a, like a two-minute video that you're supposed to put in. Mm -hmm. and um, And all that. Hopefully it'll kick in. But, yeah. So last week I got inspired by some of our discussion with uh, DM Blackwall, and I uh, you mentioned some things, and I went down the road for this topic. I don't think I gamed last week, but this week I'm about to get after it. So is Joe. I'm going to run Deadlands tomorrow night. We got four people. It's going to be fun. Um, uh, Malachi is stuck at work, dude. That shows you you know your priorities. Make sure you're still checking in. That's a good man. Um, I'm going to run Deadlands tomorrow, Savage World style. And then Saturday, Joe and I are kicking off our Hyperborea campaign. So probably, I imagine we'll end up making characters. What do you think, Joe? Or do you think you'll have one, you'll have characters ready to go? Hmm. For Joe? Friday? For Saturday? Friday, yeah. I'll, um, well, if you have some... Um, Pre-gens, that, that'll be fine. Yeah, oh, we're going to play. I just want to make sure. Larry Elliott, hey, he's on the road or he's out west. Welcome, sir. Stay as long as you can. Joe's trying to fix the rumbling stuff. So I'm pretty pumped about uh, Hyperborea and Deadlands. I'm going to try to do two campaigns 
this spring summer. Very loose, but the Hyperborea one I hope to really keep as consistent as possible. And if Halcyon H is watching, we're looking forward to you being there in two weeks. Um, we'll have four people for that game, four people for the Deadlands game, maybe five eventually for Deadlands. So that'll be fun. Maybe we'll have more Hyperborea too over time. We'll add some people. What's up, man? You're still struggling? You're trying to get that? Yeah, I am seeing it. I'm going to look and see if I can't add uh, add the Rumble destination in uh, right now. So I'm going to jump out. Okay. And then I will jump back in. Yeah, so not much happening on my end this week. Just getting ready for two campaigns. One of them is going to be pretty easy. Uh, my Deadlands game that I ran at Cabin Cons, I ran ran one third of it one time. So I'm going to start from the beginning, maybe a little bit further back, and we're going to play that tomorrow night. I expect Mr. Patrick and Martinson will be there, and we got another of our buddies, uh, Eric C, and then Ben R is going to be there. So that'll be fun. I wish Larry was around. I know Mr. Elliot would love to play Deadlands. He likes that one. Um, but this game will be centered in Deadwood. I've been trying to watch the Deadwood series. Oh, my. Man. That language is insane. I mean, I'm not scared of bad language, but everybody is a rooster <laughs> sucker. I just can't believe it. It's crazy. Everybody says that word. And it's just uh it's heinous, but some of the stories are good. Um, it's an old series on HBO. I'm sure most of you have seen it. I, I'm a big, I'm a big Western fan. I never got around to it, and I enjoy it. But it's really kind of bugging me. I may have to bow out. It's just too much, too much, uh, too much HBO, man. Game of Thrones was about all I could take, and that was extreme too. I don't know. I'm probably, probably done watching that kind of smutty stuff. I just can't do it. Not good for my soul. I try to say that it's okay to skip over, but it's getting tougher and tougher. I just think it's wrong. Wrong for me. You watch what you want. I love, uh, I do love Westerns and uh, original Deadlands cover. Yes, the original was awesome. Um, Gosh, who's the dude? Martinson will know his name. The Herald Gunslinger. What's his name? He's on that cover in the original. It's definitely cooler than anything they've created since. I've got Deadlands Reloaded. I think he's actually on Deadlands Reloaded, too. I used to have a whole bunch of the original Deadlands stuff. You know, <laughs> looking at eBay and this different Facebook group I'm a part of, um, it's a Facebook auction site. I really wish I hadn't sold my stuff eight, ten years ago. I should have waited. Stone. Thank you, Patrick. Yes, Stone. And it is by Brom. Correct red shirt, or red shift, sorry. Yeah, stone's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, HBO has just got too much, know, their shows are just too too much flesh and language is getting to me. I was telling them, language is getting to me in my old age, Joe. I'm not sure I could start another Game of Thrones show. Language, you? Guess I what? I have I, fixed the rumble. The rumble's fixed? Rumble is fixed. Okay. I'm going to mess around with it. I just re well, it. Well, when I set it up for today, everything was already populated, and I figured it was good to go. But no, I had to change it. So I just commented. If Retro Enthusiast didn't give up, I just commented on him. So anyway, I agree, Darth Leic. Um 
Prom, one of the greatest artists ever. Yep. Oh, don't worry, Malachi. Joe, Joe said that because my language can be very harsh. I'm just working on it and praying about it, trying to be a better guy. And all the nudity is the worst. Oh, gets me. I can handle it, Malachi. Cabin Con, we all drop some bomb. Um, just, I want to watch Wild West stuff. I don't want to always see nakedness and um, language. <laughs> it's just, it's unreal. It just makes me, it's one of those where I'm like, make me actually feel bad about it, then you are really, really doing Lady said, Rumble looks good. So that's cool. Um, I'm looking at Rumble. I don't see anything, though. You have to, you have to maybe refresh. Get it. It's in. I'm good. We're rumbling. Hell on Wheels says Josh. Yeah, that's not a that's not an HBO show though, is it? I should probably check it out. Is that a look? Uh, can I handle that a little bit better? You think, Martinson? Oh, Eastwood. Well, stuff. it's still yeah. gritty. There's still language issues and uh, stuff like that. It's grim. It's very grim. Mm -hmm. I only saw a little bit of one or two episodes, something like that. Uh, it's, a, it's the one about uh, the real the real uh, thing, real yeah. world thing, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm hoping Deadwood will calm down. I mean, Game of Thrones calmed down after a year or two and stop so much with the complete nakedness and all the just ugh, crazy enough. Well, crazy they're up. playing to a particular audience. People yeah. that sign up for that uh, service expect uh, things out of the shows on there, especially mm -hmm. after a certain yeah. time or whatever. And uh, they're just playing to that audience. And um, a lot it. of folks in Hollywood are, are more than happy to oblige them. Um, it's surprising how many actresses will – uh, show their uh, show themselves on to everybody in the world, um, but you know they get paid for it. So, yeah. and there's the whole thing about it being art and that the uh, nudity serves the story somehow. But that's just a bunch of bull, in my opinion. Right. I'm not being a prude. I mean, I understand why folks want to look at boobs, but telling with a straight face that it's part of the art. Is just nonsense. Yeah, I do love me some Tombstone. Lady mentioned Tombstone. That is Tombstone's that is good. One of my the, favorites. The the, the uh, movie. Yeah. Tombstone. Uh, are we talking about westerns that are good to watch? Yes. Um, Anything about Eastwood? Um, 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 um. Trying to remember the one. What's up, sir? What's the other one? There's one that I really like um, that I can't remember the name of right now because I'm trying to remember it and it's escaping me. It's kind of like how you chase like peas around on the plate with your with your your fork. You chase them around. It's like, come here, come here. That's what's happening in my head. Little peas. Yeah. Um, I know you talk about Silverado. That was one. Silverado. That's it. Thank you. Silverado's good. Um, my name is Nobody. That is really good. That is a really good, funny one. Um, you want one that's offbeat? More standard. What's the classic that everybody loves? It was remade with Denzel Magnificent Seven. Jay Terrell, my man. That's right. That's the one I was thinking of. I like, I like both versions. I think the newest one's very funny. Oh, Hungry Ewok. We are naming them. Pale Rider, Open Range. Dang, that's yeah. Those are fun. Uh, there's a Western channel on uh, in the App Store that I've toyed around with adding, but then I looked at the what they had to offer. It was almost nothing. Some of these streaming services go, oh, we got Westerns all the time, and they got just dumb stuff. I've yet to see Going South, Arn Man. 
That's got Jack Nicholson in it, right? That's an old 70s one, I believe. It's unforgiven. Oh, dude. Yep. Yeah, they're straight up naming Blazing the Saddles. That yes. is a Western, but it's more speaking. But yeah. Here's a dark one done right. Unforgiven. Right. That hits you right in the gut, dude. That's legit. War Wagon. Not seen that one. Lonesome Dumb. Never seen it. I haven't heard of the Great Silence. Nope. Eight, eight Mobius Eight. Some uh, someone who's motivated would be it'd be good to uh, collect all these movie names. Yep. And post them somewhere for you know Randy. That would be because Randy needs to watch westerns. Hey, he has in his older age. I liked them when the, I was young. I love them. Big now. Jake. Yep. Was that a that was a. Um, John Wayne, I believe. John Wayne, yeah, John Wayne movie. The Hateful Eight. I thought uh, that was a little overrated. Yeah. 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 Martin says, I just ask him. He's full of random stuff. Oh, Larry Elliott said, just watch My Name is Nobody as we Trinity movies last couple of nights. Trinity movies. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's Trinity. Um, yeah, that's the name of the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Terrence Stamp is the actor's name, and he played. They only. I don't know if they say it in all the different movies, but there's a few of them. My name is Nobody. Um, Whoa, what's that? Once what upon a time in the West, I think. Yeah, Lone Wolf McQuaid. What's the <laughs> Western? No, what's the one with uh, the? Um, uh, it's got uh, dude from Magnum, Tom Selleck. He's a really good oh, shot. Rifle. Yeah, it's, he's, it's in Australia. Quigley Down Under. Quigley Down Under, yeah. My Gun Will Travel. Oh, man, yeah, these are good ones. There's one that was made that was classic Deadlands where there was these Indians up in a cave, and they were cutting people's. I mean, it was pretty gruesome. I told you to watch it. It was um, it was good, but it was harsh. I mean, harsh. I like Cowboys and Aliens, Flady. That was good. Well, Cowboys and Aliens was... Um, just a western themed, um, the day the earth stood still. Yeah, this is the same, it's the same story, right? Aliens it was good. Come down I enjoyed and- it. Uh, Sabata, don't know that one, Man of War. Me don't either. What is the one? God, who knows it? So it's like, um, not Kirk Douglas, who's in, uh, well, he's Trouble, in a lot of westerns, Big Trouble, Little China, Kirk Russell. Kurt Russell's in it, and he's like the hero at the end. Um, Is it a more recent movie? Yeah, and it's kind of a considered a B-level movie, but it's like it's really Deadlands. It's got a lot of mystery and it's dark. I enjoyed Young Guns; that was fine. I don't think it was great, but I enjoyed it. I don't. I think even the second one was kind of okay. I'm pretty. I'm pretty easy on westerns, man. I'm easily pleased. I just love the genre. I love the heroic. Um, yeah, Sons of Katie Elder. Yeah, Tombstone. That is worth a second. Gary D20. You should mention that three. Bone Tomahawk. Gary D20. Okay. I still That's haven't I still haven't seen that. that. That is dead Deadlands. Thank you, Patrick. I used Kino. to I used to not when I was a kid, I didn't like Westerns. But the Westerns were a little different back then because mm-hmm. you know we had fu- we had just barely stopped riding dinosaurs around back when we were young. Because you know, we're old. And westerns were a little bit different then, but movie making was different back then too. Back in the the, the most of the westerns we had access to, like on TV, yeah, were reruns of old seventies westerns and sixties westerns. 
and have you they seen were a Barry little Gilbert's high noon that's right good. so right but when i was um a kid yeah i mean i didn't appreciate them like i can now well too much talking too much yapping shoot somebody i mean that was kind of, that was kind of the that's kind of where i was um and i think i think part of it is um with westerns there's yeah like you were saying too much talking to shoot just shoot them right <laughs> yeah <laughs> modern movies have a lot of whiny people in them who are complaining about everything and have to tell you you know what is making them this is this is what my motivation for the scene is because i i'm a sad sack and you know you're watching a movie for entertainment purposes. You don't need you don't need all that crap. Um, what was it? Tucker Todd said Ringo. That's a cartoon, right? Yeah, that's a uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's a lizard. He it's a uh, animated. He does the voice of a lizard. It wasn't gunslinger. Bad. It was a good little cartoon. I have I no. It's not Ringo. It's Rango. Rango, maybe. What about Django? That was pretty good. Jank wasn't that a movie? DJ Ango Django Unchained. Django Unchained. That wasn't bad. Right. Oh, Gunsmoke, Green Apple. You're talking now, dude. That was quite. That was like. Well, I used to love the Rifleman. Oh yeah, Connor, Chuck Connor. Yeah, baby. Chuck Connor. I think Mr. Lloyd yeah. Elliott has a gun like that. But uh, Rango, yeah. Um, Gunsmoke was a one-hour deal. And it was uh, it was a little different than some of the older. I mean, it was just different. At one time, Gunsmoke was the longest TV series, um, on in U.S. history. I think it was, and then I think it got unseated by. Django is an old movie with a guy carrying a coffin around. Okay, uh, so there were some old, okay, um, 60s, 70s uh, spaghetti westerns, Django. But yeah. when they made Django Unchained, for some reason they decided to make Django a black man who was a slave. I still like and it. They, yeah, they, they decided, to, uh, you know, Tarantino, I guess, who knows why he decided to do that. I'm sure he's had an interview where he discusses his uh, motivation for changing all that. But, I mean, Django was a um, Spanish dude, I think, if I remember correctly. I've never seen any of those. I've just seen little um, movie, you know, the movie ads. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was either a Spanish guy or maybe he's, from, you know, Mexican. I can't remember. Well, I just go Googled U.S. TV shows, but they also put in things like Meet the Press and stuff like that. So that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, Simpsons took it out, but it's not. Uh, oh, as far as uh, the longest running show or something like that? Oh, I wanted to watch that one. Gary D20 says, Diablo with Scott Eastwood. Dude, does he look like his dad? Really good with a nice twist ending. Okay. Yeah. I remember the Simpsons. Thanks, Martinson. And Arn Man, you both mentioned that. So, anyway. So, I'm going to be doing a little Western action tomorrow. I'm just going to be running my uh, game from Cabin Con, but I'm going to move back to the beginning. You guys didn't even do the beginning. And I may go a few steps back, too. So, just looking to be kind of, it could be two to three, it could be five, six sessions. We'll see how it goes. And it'll be, you know, so play when we can. The uh, 
one session deal that you thought we were going to be able to get through is more yeah. like one four hour slot. Yeah, it was more like it w- I could have played that all day long. I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah I, I just missed. <laughs> I missed, and you guys were so crafty and were making plans and being careful. I knew you would be. I just, I should. You know what I got to do? I got to go with my initial reaction when I'm prepping a game. I'm like, this is probably enough. I'm probably twice as much as I need. So I should stop. <laughs> so. Hmm. All right, so we want to jump yeah. in. Uh, yeah, let's oh, get to oh, oh, actually, let's oh. hold on for a second. Hold my horses. Joe is holding my horses. Your horses. Um, I have a pretty cool announcement to make with Ooh. regard to uh, Big Geek Con. Yes. Um, I have the site uh, tabletop events ready yep. to go live and for folks to get tickets if they want them. Yeah. Well, well we know everybody, everybody watching tonight will want them. So what I'm going to do is flip the switch over at tabletop events. Cool. Provide a link. And, uh, the, uh, ticket sales will go live tonight on biggest geekus. All right, look at that. So Tonight is Big Geek Con 1. Uh, let me find the right page. Joe is doing his magic. Activate the tickets. Yep. Uh, let's see. Buy them fast, buy them often. Engine tools. Speaking of that, I'm tempted. I'd like to run a old school game, but I also want to run something else. Is there anybody out there that likes Deadlands? I kind of am fond of a Deadlands game with people on the stream or out there like like a Deadlands game at Big Geek Con. I know my buddy Martinson would. He like he loves Deadlands. It's his favorite. I apologize. It would be Savage Worlds Deadlands because that's the one I know. Been too long. All right. So, I'm going to put the uh, link in the chat and in the show notes or in the description as well. Cool. I'll update that while we're talking. Good deal. Um, B. So, oh, I better put it over here in um, Rumble as well. I'm just seeing how many since people eight people are following. On Rumble, so yes, so I'm trying to monitor the chat. Huh? I'm trying to monitor the chat in Rumble. I'm just telling the Rumblers right. I'm trying to watch them. So, so I'm, over in YouTube land, because yep. um, the yes, it shows. Does it show up as a link, or does it just show up as a? I, um, I can I can link it. Oh yeah, you can click it like a link. Okay, okay, all right. All right, so <laughs> ticket sales for Big Geek Con in September 2023, September 22nd and 23rd. They are up for sale. Yep. At the link provided. Our man says Deadlands is too mainstream to qualify as a geek game. What you talking about? <laughs> too mainstream. I don't. Mainstream? <laughs> I don't know about that. That sounds odd. 
Mm-hmm. Mainstream from what perspective? Dude, our man's yeah, still I'm, the original I'm, D&D. He's, he's old school now. He's the oldest of the old school. He's got his uh, bona fides. So, okay. He, he do. I, he, I will do that. that. I, I can't. See, the cool thing about Rumble is you can put make comments. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know what? I can go and put them in the uh, video description. Put this link there. It will also be in the podcast. Won't it, Joe? You'll put it in the podcast notes. That's what I'm putting in the video description, and that always becomes the podcast notes. Ah. So, Mr. Larry, you're set. Yes. Yeah. Let me cool. verify that it is there. Yeah. So. Yep. The link is in the video description. So, cool. We've been rolling for about, wow, almost 30 minutes now. Wow. Delayed. maybe 25. Well, we had a bit of delay. We got, you know, jabbering. Yeah, it's cool. Because that's what we do. We'll do. You want to tell them to do the things? We'll start off. We'll start off well. We'll be like, Subscribe and like and share and tell everybody how awesome this is and hit the bell notifications and all those things that make that make the algorithm do what it's supposed to do. Yes. Yes. Go ahead and subscribe, like he said. Also, head over to tabletop.events yeah. forward slash conventions forward slash big geek big hyphen geek hyphen con hyphen twenty twenty three. They made that link. I didn't. Um, I would have just I would have made that a lot simpler for you guys but in any event click the link buy a ticket and join us in September for Big Geek Con Um, looks good Joe also uh, maybe I'll share the um, share that screen let me see if I have it up Yeah, I have it up if you want okay let me do it yeah go do it I'll present. I've got some presentation. Present page. Present page. Form of a convention. You see it, don't you? Yep. Yeah. So, Big Geek Con is set for September 22nd, 23rd, 2023. Please check the right pane for more info. This would be that pane right here. This is a family-friendly event. We encourage folks to bring their kids to the convention as RPGs. RPGs are for all ages. Looking forward to having door prizes, other giveaways, depending on attendance. This page will be updated on games and game slots. Please bookmark this page to stay up to date. Right on. Look at that. And on the right side is the venue, even a little Google Map stuff. Yeah, baby. Saginaw, Michigan. It's 6 a.m. to 10 10 p.m. That's probably hopeful, but I mean, I'll be there at 6 a.m. I don't know if we'll have games, but we'll see. Well, like I said, we were talking about times before uh, we started. That may update the times. Uh, like I said, I I didn't know what time we were going to start. Randy will be, like he said, he'll be over six. I probably will not. Joe's but... weak. See, Joe's weak, and I'm powerful, so yeah. That's how it works. Right. So, um, yeah, the the time the the time frame that the convention will be open and closed that may change after we ha- do more consultation. It may be more reasonable, more like seven. 
Mortal Rising, which I've just recently backed. I was late for the extra special last week or two weeks ago, but I did back your uh, Indiegogo campaign. So get it, son. It's awesome. So been backing a lot of people. Ryan David at Nerd Cognito has been uh, kind of pitching a few comic book related stuff. Um, Immortal Rising comic and a guy named Jupiter. And I'm just going to, I just decided I want to try to help those people because the two comic uh, companies that I used to love are not worth a dime, not worth my time and not worth a dime. So there you go. But anywho, oh, Platy, tickets bought. He is the dude. Sweet. Yes, you're welcome. Over there right now. Look. I did the whole, all the books, whatever that was. So it was cool. I'm excited about them. You should look at that, Joe. You should look at Immortal Rising. You might like it. Some fantasy, D&D style comic books that look really good. So, oh, cool. The Jupiter guy, he seems like a good dude. I heard him on Ryan David's Nerd Cognito podcast you guys should listen to. He's going to be on Immortal Rising show on Thursday. I'll be be sure to check you guys out. All right, man. Why don't we jump into the topic? Yes, we are talking about what the job of the DM is. And I will I will start that off okay. by saying um, it is the job of the DM to have snacks set aside for me. That's this, usually this, a wild decision. <laughs> this is, you know, this, you know, uh, it should be written in every game book. You know, I can never So that out. when when someone has me at their table, they have to be sure I looked for snacks that in the early game. Ready for me. I expected it, you know, and back me. I would, I kept and drinks. Up. Oh, yeah, well, that's asking for a lot, Joe. <laughs> but, Joe. Well, what are you? What else are you for? <laughs> it's true. So, um, last week, that was mentioned during our discussion with Dan Blackwall. We got into the, just real quickly, uh, Judge versus, versus Storyteller. See, see, see? Oh, make the players pay for it. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was with you until that part to order pizza. <laughs> I was like, he's thinking like I am. And then make the players pay for it. I like hearing all that. There's all, all kinds of people to talk about. Yeah, you should uh, pay for the DM's food and this and that. I've never really experienced that. <laughs> My players are cheap. No. We play with your friends. <laughs> when, when you play with your friends, I've always thought, you know, I remember one time we were like, I even brought up the idea. I'd heard something in Dragon Magazine about everybody paying for the modules. And I brought that up and you guys were like, what? <laughs> You're the DM. You get them. <laughs> so I just didn't bring it up again. Well, I mean, some some game, uh, some uh, tables, they share the expense of the books. And I get that. I get it. But I'm I'm, I'm a collector, dude. So. You guys ain't got to worry about that with me. If I'm going to run something, I want to buy all the crap because I'm that kind of dude. Martinson's right. They have given me Twizzlers. Most At this point in our life, we all share snacks. Joe and his wife bring stuff. People bring crap all the time. It's not really a thing for us. I don't eat at the game table. I prefer not eating while I'm DMing anything like significant. If we're sharing a meal, I prefer to eat and talk and then put the food away and play. For me, not for you guys. If you guys want to eat and play, I don't care. I want to be like, concentrating more on what I got to do. I get sidetracked if I'm eating and trying to GM. That's just not an option. I can do it when I play, but I can't do it when I, when I GM. I can drink liquid and that's about it. Anyway, so this first article, and I kind of want to go article by article because I found them because I spent, I made 4,000 notes. <laughs> so yeah, got, a lot. 
<laughs> you're, you're gonna listen to it. I didn't think it was all that complicated what the DM should do. No, no, it's however, not really. right. Go ahead. However, you you didn't stick to just being a DM. Not really. I didn't Not just really. say dungeon master. I, right. I used the broad term that Joe loves, game master. Even that. Yeah. That's restrictive as well. I mean, mm. some of these games, like Storyteller. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the two. That's kind of the two that I that I uh, broke it up as. It was really judge, um, an arbiter of worlds. Well, that's kind of a thing people use. Then their storyteller, narrator. And what was interesting, and I, I don't think I listed all these, but one of the links gives you a list of all the game, of, of a bunch of games and what they call the GM. There were some pretty funny ones in there. Um, let's, you know, let's start there. Let me hit that link, um, Game Master Storyteller, and I will share that. Um, it's quite uh, quite interesting to Well, see. I'm going to say something before we get too sure. far into any of this stuff. Sure. All right. So Dungeons and Dragons and a couple other games that are similar in nature. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the DM or GM has a particular function or has a choice of them because depending on which version of D&D you read, they have somewhat different takes on what the DM's role is. Mm -hmm. And early on, it was just referee. Right? They right. were called referees. I would put referee along with judge. Um, and uh, the thing is, though, with different games have different expectations on the DM, like uh, World of Darkness. You're a storyteller, right? Yep. But the, we have, over time, I think, after playing so many different games where the guy who runs the game has a somewhat different role than some of the other games uh, as far as built in, mm -hmm. um, we tend to want to bring that to the other games as well. Yes. And when you run D&D, you're running it perhaps similarly to uh, um, um, Savage Worlds, or World of Darkness, or um, Palladium games. They all have a different take, slightly. Yes. But some folks, uh, they just, it all kind of melds into the same thing, which well, is probably not great. No, because there's some games that do require some different different strokes, different folks sort of thing. Um, right, and then it's it's unique to that game. Like, like World of Darkness is a storytelling game. It's supposed to be more hooked into drama than uh, say D and D yes. is At least unless it, it was um, uh, right as far as baseline. So D and D as a baseline has some story-ish things to it, but it's not really that's not its focus. Whereas World of Darkness, it's more focused on that. And your style of DM DMing is going to be it should be somewhat different. Yeah. Well here let me share this first article. Uh is from Gnome Stew. Uh, not always my favorite, but I'm not sure how well folks can see this. Let me try to make it a little bit larger. Uh, let's see. Whoa, this is a their site is kind of weird. If you went to it, it's got a weird. It doesn't even let me. Maybe it's my iPad. I don't know. Anyway, they start with some names. So you're running a Mac. Yeah, is that probably the problem? Probably. Let's just blame it on the Mac. Let's do that. So I'll just go to the main. I won't do it from here, but I'll look and. You know, tune is animator. That sounds good. Some of these really fit. 
Um, I'm going to do the ones that we know pretty well. Computer or computer is the paranoia game. So you're called the computer. Ah, ah, you're called the yeah, yeah, yeah. Dungeon master, well, that's, of course. Yeah. So some really fit the theme. Uh, Ghostbuster is Ghost Master. I find that a little weak, but um, oh, I don't know what HOL game is. HOL hole, but they call it Hole Meister. And I think I mentioned them again because they have a pretty funny. No, I think I took the funny ones out. There were some that were kind of goofy. I'm gonna I'm gonna further dive into the definition of the GM from these different games soon. Um, many older games use Judge, Keeper of Arcane Lore for Call of Cthulhu. Moderator is pretty common, mainly old ones. Narrator is fairly common. Referee is in Traveler. Uh, Storyteller, World of Darkness. Zombie Master, All Flesh Must Be Eaten. There's a lot of others, but I thought it was kind of kind of interesting. This is an interesting little list. Um, the World of Cin Cinnabar, they called you Fate. Sinzar, I don't know that game, called you the Creator. I think I think some games are just doing the best that they can to just have a cool name. Um <laughs> Patrick says, "You take that back, you son of a." <laughs> he loves what? Take he loves back. Ghostmaster, some Ghostbusters. <laughs> he says Ghostmaster is fairly solid. I think it's weak sauce, but you're welcome to like it. I mean, you know, well, I've never played, so I don't know what the frame well, of reference is. Zombie so. Master, this Master, that Master. Okay, but I would say be a little more creative. I thought that was weak. I thought you should be something else. But, you know, hey, it's Ghostbusters. Call it what it is. Um, it's fine. If you like it, it's fine. But to me, some were kind of funny. I thought that was a funny one. Um, but a lot of them do master, something master. What is um, What does Deadlands call it? Sheriff. Sheriff, That's, yeah. It's in that list. Uh, Don Paleo says, I think Labyrinth Lord is best. What do they call them? Labyrinth Lord. Oh, Omenal nailed it. Ghostbusters should be the key master. Right. <laughs> should have been Gozer. <laughs> I guess hmm. I'm a Ghostbusters fan. Look, Patrick is a Ghostbusters nut. I'm a Ghostbusters. Yeah, bring up that bring up that uh, site again. I think it said Sheriff for Deadlands. Oh, okay. That would be uh, might be right. Marshall. They call it Marshall. I just remember. Didn't they have Sheriff in one of them? They might have, but let's see. Is De I don't see Deadlands in there. It's not on the list. So you know this list is weak. Sheriff, Deadlands. That's wrong. They're called marshals. Okay, but that says sheriff, so I was correct. So you until were, you correct you it, were, officially, correct. I am the right one here. Joe is officially correct on the website. I'm officially correct. <laughs> so I think it's Marshall, but I have a Marshall's badge, so, so I'm right now since I bought, I bought a badge. It might have even gotten changed over time. Mm-hmm. Might have. Might have been the sheriff initially. Who knows? But um, the name's interesting. But the real thing is the title and what the DM's job is. And so in the second article, I'm not going to show this. There's too many. But I will say this much. There's a few that I wanted to mention. So some of the some of the people, some of the games, like I have AD&D, uh, Dungeons & Dragons. It's kind of funny to watch the change in what they say the dungeon master should do. Um, and there's Malachi's got my back. It's called the Marshall's handbook for a reason. Yes. And they're called sheriff on the inside. <laughs> no, you're right for, you're right for the uh, website. Um, but it was kind of interesting. I, uh, the, it's funny how AD and D one E refers to 
The game is ideal for three or more adult players. One player must serve as the dungeon master, the shaper of the fantasy milieu. You know it's Gygax. The world in which all action takes place. A good DM will most certainly make each game a surpassing challenge for his or her players. The dungeon master must design and map out the dungeon, town, city, and world maps. He or she, and there, there they go using that, must populate the whole world. Go ahead. It says there, according to Gary Gygax, the DM must map out what? Must design and map out the dungeon, town, city, and world. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, except for some folks will say, you don't do that. That's not how you're supposed to play. <laughs> you're supposed to, you know, generate that at the table. Oh, how do they handle that? Oh, man, how, how are the Bro-SR handling that? I don't know. How are they going to handle They'll that? say that part he didn't, you know, he didn't mean he's that. only trying to, he didn't mean that the way it looks. Now, it's interesting, and I think very consistent. In second edition, they added on this. Being, and this is I'm, the second article which Joe will post, they have page numbers to quote this. So I'm trusting them. I didn't look up every single book. In fact, I didn't own all the books. Being a good dungeon master, this is the second edition, involves a lot more than knowing the rules. It calls for quick wit, theatrical flair, and a good sense of dramatic timing, among other things. Why is this interesting? It's because that's when, in the middle of second edition, they started pushing story more. Because mm -hmm. dramatic it. timing is a story thing in books and movies yep. and things like that. And I mean, if you want to try to have timing and all pacing and uh, the stuff that you would use when you're writing a novel, that's fine. You should probably do that writing a novel. Yeah, I agree. Because I'll tell you what, you can pace and, and do all that stuff. And then someone rolls a natural 20 or one or your, um, your big bad guy gets cut down in one round and all your timing and pacing are just thrown out the window. They don't matter anymore. Timing and pacing is based on your dice and the decision of the characters. I think you can time some stuff to a degree, but you can't be, you can't be, you can't be spot on. You can't because I, right. I, don't, know, I don't know what the players are going to do. Um, uh, it's interesting. Oh, now I'm going to, some of the comments here real quick. Let me go ahead and start. Oh, my, I've got a couple back from the beginning. Uh, Darth Dick says the DM's job, create the world and abdicate the rules as a basic abdicate. I think you meant adjudicate the rules as a basic description. Fair enough. Then Omen Al comes off with the GM, his job is to provide a world setting and arbiter of the setting. Yep, that's good. And I like Darn Man. In the end, everyone at the table will just call it Game Master anyway, or Dungeon Master. Joe tends to use Dungeon Master by default. Um, Old school. Yep. And then Omenow says, his lazy view is let players do most of the work for you. Gygax was in a gaming group of dozens, which is very different than the way most of us played. Yeah, I fully agree with that. That's a very a very different experience than what we tend to have now. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, in second edition, oh, that's a comment. Uh, we're going to talk about Alexander Macris, the creator of Axe. He had some articles in 2010 on the escapist. I think do a great job. They definitely, his definitions definitely fit where I want to be more now um, as a dungeon master, game master. Six Nations, Three Kings um, says, all the drama kids were getting into AD&D 2E at the time, I want to say, middle school. There was a few of them in my experience. Yeah, and the game was trying to pull them in. I think they were competing with Vampire around that time, so maybe they wanted to be more story-ish. Um, 
it does say in Dangerous Journeys, which book one mythos, Dangerous Journeys, that was Gygax, correct? Yeah, yeah. It said, is that, that have you ever seen any of those books? I've seen them, but I've never read them. Mm. Talk about complicated. I think he went, he went, um, he went down a rabbit hole there. Yeah, he said it should be an impartial and disinterested participant. I felt that from first edition D and D too. Patrick Demo asks, "Does anyone know if Dungeon Master is a trademark term?" Probably. Probably. Um, here's an interesting one, and I'm going to go through some of these games. So there's this second article links a variety of games and their advice on being a dungeon master. So dig this. The core book of Elric, also the same in Stormbringer 5th edition. The most fun in the game is had by the game master. He literally says that. Um, he narrates the universe and acts as the adventurer's opposition. Opposition must be smart and mean or the players will get bored. It must be presented fairly or the players will be outraged. That sounds like Gygax advice. Got to be tough. It's interesting. Yeah, you got the players have to be challenged. Uh, they have stuff on GURPS. I wasn't too thrilled. I'm, I'm just looking at the ones that I highlighted. Pendragon had an interesting comment. In the Pendragon 4th edition book in 1993, their Game Master advice says, the Game Master oversees the imaginary world, describing it in detail and directing its course. When they have questions or need help, you hear this, Joe? When they have questions or need help. Hold on a second. Oh, dude, this is for you. This is for Joe. <laughs> and Shauner, if he's listening. <laughs> so I'm say not, it again. Say it again. I'm sure Shauner loves Pendragon because it says this. When the players have questions or need help, players turn to the game master for answers. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. Because that's who you're supposed to talk to. <laughs> Because oh. he's sitting right in freaking front of you. Um, you ignore him. I mean, you don't have to say. You, you, there's ways to do it that are better than other ways. But mm -hmm. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. I think Shauna has a particular approach. Listen to this. He has a particular approach in his own. It's okay if you have your own type, whatever. Yeah. Now, I think Shadowrun first edition didn't have much to say. It said the game master has many functions, including creating adventures, role-playing NPCs, mediating rules, and other formalities of play. And I think that's pretty close to all it says. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. um, what else did I have highlighted? Oh, Sorcerer. That's, again, an old book from 2001. Um, <laughs> Mr. Brown says, players should avoid asking questions to the GM when possible. Do not ask. Show. <laughs> Uh, I have no problem with asking questions. I expect my players to raise their hands before they do, though. If they don't, then the teacher gets mad and they get docked points. Joe is like negative points because the best I can get him to do is raise his middle finger at me. But um, No, I don't. I don't middle finger no, at you. I'll go dice at you, maybe. You do, yeah. Oh, <laughs> It's not that complicated. The players don't ask a question to the GM. The players, yeah, I get what you're saying. The there's players, one available. Yeah, there's one available, and there's times they can ask things for clarity. I have, I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not a Nazi about that. Do what you want. Um, the sorcerer says this: If you, the GM, don't have a dramatic narrative goal, why play? What do you think of that? Say that again. If you, the G, this is from the Sorcerer game from 2001 by Adapt Press. If you, the GM, don't have a dramatic narrative goal, why play? 
okay, that must have been written by a drama major. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. I've heard of Sorcerer. I remember when it came out. I don't know if I was at Gen Con when it came out, but I remember seeing the guy there. He seemed a little different. Um, yeah, <laughs> Green Apple. If it's just you and the players in an empty house, what NPCs are you going to ask? I mean, okay, so <laughs> I understand folks want players to be in, in, engaged in a particular way. So instead of saying, hey, what does this room look like? They want you to say, my character or me, some people are so stickler about that, uh, walks around the room, touching the walls, looking for secret doors behind the bookcase that you said was there. Um, instead of saying, hey, what do I find in the room? When, um, And so when people bristle at the idea of a player asking a GM a question, that's what they bristle at. What do I find in the room? The simple question when you could describe what you're doing and then the DM is supposed to ask you, you know, it's, it's kind of like demanding an arcane, you know, formula to your liking. You know, I, I said all the magic words. Right. Shauner is disagreeing. He says players that raise their hands in a session have failed. <laughs> Whatever. Dude, I'm a teacher, bro. You, you got to raise your hand to get my. I'm kidding. So when you go to Shauner's house, he probably handcuffs your arms down to the chair. No He's reason. He's got a way, right. brother. He's got a way. Maybe there's a chain so you have just enough room to raise your hand up so they'll touch the table. Maybe you write something. <laughs> on oh well, it's all good. Uh, there's comments and others. I didn't read. I read all of them, but I highlight. Oh, tunnels and trolls have an interesting one. So you can find probably your favorite game on that on, game on that website. Oh no, Martinson read my response. Um, all my, all my I have, one of my dogs is demanding to go outside. I must go okay. take care of. I'll continue. Joe's bored with this. It's all right. He's not a dungeon master. He doesn't appreciate our struggles, Shauner. Oh now, I found a cattle prod. Gets a response from GMs. And this weird dude named Chicago 67, that would definitely get me to respond and probably give out a bunch of magic items too. Shh, don't tell my players. Dang it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. I don't know who Abe is. Is Abe the 28 millimeter RPG guy, Shauner? I don't, I watch his stuff sometimes. Uh, yeah. And no one asked, no one raised their hand. They didn't ask a single question. Yeah, you can get into the story. Um, that's cool. Um, our man says, I prefer my game to be more buddies playing poker. than uh, For sure, I'm kidding, dudes. <laughs> my, my players don't have to raise their hands. <laughs> so, okay, no, says Sean. I thought it was somebody else. Okay, he's Rick. Thanks, Mr. Boyman. I don't know all those guys yet, but I checked that stuff out. I'm not much of a traveler guy. Um, yeah, what's up, Mac Barninger? Not a lot of good people prompting. Um, another one was interesting was Tunnel and Trolls, um, core book 1979. It says the game master or GM, uh, also referred to from time to time as the dungeon master. That's interesting. So, Tunnels and Trolls use dungeon master too. I wonder if they got in trouble. Uh, may not play as a character inside his or her own dungeon. They literally excluded DMPCs, which in general is probably a really good idea. What is up, Duncan Bradley? Um, of course, Mask. Now, it's interesting. I think this is the part that I wanted to comment on. Everybody talks about Vampire the Masquerade um, being this heavy, story-driven, uh, 
Oh, <laughs> Flady, sorry. Flady's got a good one. I prefer numbered auction paddles for players to ask questions. <laughs> that is good. I actually don't like my players to look me directly in the eye. It offends me as a dungeon master. That's why I have the screen up. Do not look at me. Um, <laughs> no, no playing with yourself. All right, so... Um, Storyteller describes what happens as a result of what the players see and do. Must decide if the character... Oh, this is interesting, and Joe should be here. This is Vampire, The Masquerade, 1992. The DM must decide, the storyteller must decide if the characters succeed or fail, suffer or prosper, live or die. He decides it. Hmm, I guess that is a storyteller. Their primary duty is to make sure the players have a good time. As Alexander Macris points out in one of his articles we're going to have linked, it's not my responsibility to make sure you have a good time. I will produce an opportunity to have a good time, but you have to make it happen. You have to participate. Later, Larry Elliott. Be good, sir. Enjoy those grandchildren. Um, it does say, though, you oversee, interpret, and enforce the rules, yet you are also an entertainer. I didn't know that. So when I'm a dungeon master, I must entertain are you not entertained? You must struggle to balance your true roles. It is a struggle. It is so difficult. I am both a player and an actor and an entertainer. I don't know how I pull it off, but I do. Um, that's interesting. Uh, there's a whole chapter in the 2004 World of Darkness book. Uh, this, this chapter is about the storyteller. He alone is a dance monkey right on Big Bad RPG. I am entertaining you, trying my best. Right. Six nations, right on. You can attempt to facilitate, but it's up to the individual to have fun. Right on. Um, right, Having fun is up to you. Now, I do think a DM can make the day, the game kind of weak. I've played with crappy DMs. I've said it before, like at Gen Con. Horrible DMs, had a great time. Uh, great DMs, had a good time. But the players were... The players have a bigger effect on the fun than the DM does. Um, yeah, Omenal, right on. If you're not having a good time, then leave. Uh, the World of Darkness book said the single player most responsible, talking about the storyteller, for forming the shape and scope of the story. See, I don't like that. I want the story to happen on its own, kind of be, what's the word, emergent. Um, players fill in valuable details and can take the game in interesting directions. Like a film director, the storyteller ultimately decides what parts of the collaborative script are made as part of the story. Eh, I could be down with that. Um, right, Arn Man, you got it. I expect the players to contribute by being engaged and into the event. I will not entertain the players. Correct. And they may be entertained by not participating as much. They may be entertained by rolling a lot of, a lot of uh, dice. Um, and Shauna's not wrong. Some players do have fun just being lumps on logs. They do. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Now, if you got a whole table full of lumps on logs, that's going to be tricky business. Um, yeah, that, that's what I want to get. I've been for years, Arn Man says, the players are the story. As a DM, I just present the situation. I'm not a railroad DM. I kind of am. I have been in the past but not like hard rails, really soft rails. We talked about last week about the theme park. I've been more of a theme park guy. I've left it wide open. People can veer off. I kind of want it to be a little more open and emergent, as Six Nations said. Um, I don't want it to be my story. So we'll see how things go. I'm really going to push 
push hard. Uh, yeah, story is it's really weird. Um, Warhammer Fantasy, uh, 1986, made a comment that was interesting. says, the GM controls the world in which the player's characters live. He is the final arbiter whose word cannot be disobeyed. One of the guys on this Gnome Stew article did not like that. Uh, that's horrible. In fact, he said that was a horrible statement. Look, here's the deal. At the table, the DMs, the DM, GM, whatever, his word can't be disobeyed. He can literally say, um, that doesn't happen. That doesn't work that way. You fail. You succeed. Now, you can get up and walk. You can grab your dice and go home. I get it. But he is kind of the one. I mean, you can say, I'm disobeying. No, you're not. Things aren't going to happen in his, in his game that he doesn't allow. He can just say no. Now, that's a crappy DM a lot of times, and he's being that much of a hard ass about things. But I do think the DM can say, this happens, this doesn't. Whether it's good or not, I would probably say no. Um, uh, House CNH says, depends on uh, games. More crunchy the game, the more framework needs to be made by DM. Less crunchy D&D to you can freeform. And Omanow says the DM can be overthrown. He can. I mean, you can you can all tell him to kick rocks and go to someone else. But within the game that he's running, he does kind of rule the roost. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to be a part of that chicken coop. Oh, I like that. That's pretty good. Rules the roost, chicken coop. But I'm bumped. I'll be be here all, all week, folks, or at least for another hour and a half or so. Um, but that was the ones that I thought was interesting. And if you read the article, it's kind of fun how the guy gets his feelings hurt on a couple of places and doesn't like certain phrases. Um, yeah, that's not bad. He's kind of the MC. That's not bad, Shauner. I don't fully disagree with that. Um, so the next couple of articles we're going to uh i kind of got through those joe you missed there was a couple i wanted to bounce off you i thought you would like this what do you think of this one joe this will be fun let me throw this against joe these i guys. won't like you bouncing things off of me i'm i'm old and and uh right, can be hurt easily warhammer fantasy roleplay says this the dm is the final arbiters whose word cannot be disobeyed i kind of like that yeah but it's kind of it's kind of well, there's two, weird, well you can take it two ways. I was telling I was telling everybody that I think in some sense he's right. The DM can say, this is how it's happening. And Omanel said, we can overthrow the DM and leave, or we can overthrow and play some, you know, not use him. That's absolutely true. Um, you can do that. But the DM in the end, you can't, because the guy that wrote the article gets really upset at Gnome Stew at that phrase. I don't think it's meant as bad as it as bad as it sounds. It could just mean. Look, within the game world, things are going to happen in the way the DM says, whether you like the it. The buck stops at the DM. Correct. But the DM shouldn't be wielding it like an iron rod. I mean, Darth yeah, has yeah. got the right of it. It says most DMs won't say that doesn't work without a good reason. From what I've seen, when a DM says that, it will most likely break some part of the game. Right. Yeah. That's not how There will works. be a problem if you, you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a fighter in, in the... Middle Earth, you don't get to cast spells. That's not right, a thing. Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, here's a good one too. Tunnels and trolls. No, I don't care about that one. There was something else I wanted to point out. Oh, the storyteller in Masquerade says the storyteller. You oversee, interpret, and enforce rules. Yet you are an entertainer. You must struggle to balance your two roles. <laughs> 
entertain dance monkey. But they made some good about that. So that whole entertainment thing is also a way of saying immersion. So what I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. about the if you don't say things a certain way or you don't role play a certain way, then other people's immersion, whatever it means to them, mm-hmm. can suffer. But to me, that's weak sauce. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, oh, there's somebody on Rumble. I need to talk to them. Yes. So oh. immersion can be important, but also, I'm not responsible for your immersion. No. I mean, we're we're when we we as a group of friends sit down and play, we all mesh pretty well. Yeah. Um. Um. So I'm I'm not saying that trying to be mean. But I'm also not going to demand you play a particular way, and I expect you to not demand me to play a particular kind of way. If, as we're playing a few sessions, we find, yeah, that's not working well for me, we'll find other tables where, we'll, where, where, where we may work better at. Yeah. And that's better than making demands. So saying you can't ask the DM questions or you must do this and blah, 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 I think that's a little heavy-handed. And we oh, need sure. to get, sure. cut each other a break. We're, we're playing a game. When I was really young, I was at times a little bit like that, but I wasn't really that heavy handed. I had my own. No. I had I had walls. And I, mean, I had limits on some things, but you guys knew that things I wouldn't allow. But it, it was, was more based in the rules and the yeah. setting. Than any, like, this than doesn't make sense here. You table behavior. You don't get to be a tiefling in Middle Earth. I'm sorry. No. Um, yeah. Patrick Nemo makes a comment. He says, I've been deposed as a DM before i didn't allow pcs to derail the game by bickering so they told me they they're boycotting the game so i suggested they find another game some people would say that's bad dming but i get it if i don't enjoy what's happening and the whole group wants to do it they should find another game yeah 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 if you're not if you don't mesh well as a group together and it might just be you have a bad night omen that happens yeah I want to make an interesting comment because most of them are saying not the entertainer. Only time the players can expect the gym to be an entertainer is if you pay them a fair wage. Yeah. See, what about professional GMs? Are they there to entertain you? Are they? I think. See, that's one of the reasons I would never want to do it. I mean, I think there's no more obligated to entertain each other. Um, Obligated. That's a bad word in our setting. Mm -hmm. We're in a social setting where we are voluntarily sitting down together to have a good time. We're not obligated to entertain each other. Woman else on fire. I think he's quickly becoming one of my favorites. Says, yes, role-playing is inherently a group mm-hmm. cooperative experience. Yeah, no doubt. And I like what Green Apple says. He says, yeah, I don't think the gym is an entertainer. The game is the entertainment. Yeah. Yes. But that's one of the reasons I would stay. There's multiple reasons I would stay away from professional DM, but that's getting off task. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, we're, we're kind of getting off topic anyway. But, yeah, the DM is not inherently an entertainer. If that's part of your style, where yeah. you use voices or um, try to be uh, tell jokes or be dramatic in some kind of way that can be entertaining. If you do that because you find it fulfilling and um, the players at the table think it's cool and it and it's and it's good at the table, fine. But it's not an obligation. Yeah. The only couple of times I've 
played as a player under Patrick, he's good at doing some voices. I try to do voices. They're not really my thing, but it, it can be entertaining. Um, uh, but I think I think people to expect the, the you know, it could be a Matt Mercer experience. Dude, you gotta just get over that, dude. These are friends hanging out. In a, now, if you're paying, that throws the dynamic off. I agree. It's a weird situation. I don't. I don't and and if the if you have a Matt Mercer light at your table who does voices well mm-hmm. or does voices uh, uh, well enough, then fine. But it's not. It's again, it's not uh, an obligation. Yeah. Um, so the kind of two big. So I'm going to break this down to two areas. So we got the the judge, arbiter, referee type, storyteller, narrator, whatever mm-hmm. type. Mm-hmm. And um, the escapist articles of which are, there are two. These are old, as I said. And by Alexander Macris um, of Axe fame, which, by the way, there is a Kickstarter coming out soon for Axe um, second edition. Right. So it, it, it peels away from the OGL. And is I'm that really, what this is about? Yeah, and yeah. it's a hard time finding Axe, and I may pick that up. I'm not 100% sure I will. I've heard there's a lot of rules, but I'm less intimidated by rules. I mean, intimidated is not the right word. Um, Zero Infinity Live, I think, might be a bot. Is that a bot? Might be. Um, I don't or is know. That, or is that maybe a DVR person? That's a DVR maybe. person. Maybe. Yeah. Welcome. Oh, yeah, that's Welcome cool. to uh, folks over from the scam baiting side of YouTube. Yeah. Um, so the, he, this, uh, they posted a similar thing at the very beginning. Yeah. That's why I was feeling a little bit. It was off a bit. Yeah. So who knows? Um, who knows? So I mean, anyway, it's friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool too. Uh, I thought he made, there was a part of his article, the first one about, a, about it's not your story article, which is, I think is very good. I think Joe should read both of them. I think he's had a chance to. I think he would agree with a lot of what Macris says. Yeah. And he talks about how the DMG2 from, and he was, this was during the third edition era, near the end. It was 2009, 2010. That's still third edition, right? Yeah, 2014 or 2012. What year did fifth edition come out? Dang it. Oh, I, I'm old, dude. I don't remember any of that crap. Hold on. I'm checking out. Uh, okay. He's not a bot. So you should okay. apologize. All right. I apologize. Cool. Uh, that didn't that didn't sound very sincere. Hold on, I am very sorry. I do apologize. I thought he was a bot. <laughs> you are welcome. So my bad. I just the way he wrote it was like that's almost exactly how I wrote it before. So yes, you are welcome, sir. 2014. Thank you, six one friends. Yes, from DBR. Rock on. We love you, dudes. Uh, 2014. So this is articles from 2010. So he was heavy into third edition. He references the second DMG. And it encourages DMs to plan out and perfectly order the conclusion of a game in fudge dice. Now, listen to this. This is the exact quote from the DMG2, which I bought and never read. <laughs> plan carefully to see that the conclusive scenes of a closed campaign pay off. By centering the entire campaign in a set of victory conditions, you're promising a big, exciting finish. Prepare that final sequence exhaustively. It must be exquisitely balanced. Set up the climactic sequence so your resident tacticians have no chance to reconnoiter or plan in advance. Did you hear that? So your players can't plan. Design the encounter with options that allow you to adjust its difficulty on the fly. When in doubt, fudge die rolls shamelessly, feigning surprise at the result. The players oh, be a big fat liar then. <laughs> 
essentially. Hi, I'm yeah. going to be a big fat liar. Correct. Just be a lie bag cheating DM. I know it's weird that DMs can cheat, but whatever. It's hard to hard to imagine. Okay. So I get that perhaps uh, um, as a DM, when you're preparing encounters, you might have underestimated or overestimated party strength, right? Right. Or maybe, uh, maybe the dice rolls are just favoring the players. You shouldn't dial it up on purpose because of that. Not, not in my opinion. I think that's weird. Leave the dice where they lay. Let the game play as it should, and you'll be. And then it'll it'll play as it should, instead of adjusting on the fly. I think that's a really that's really bad advice. I, I think it is bad. And I is think that mac- that's not macros, is it? No, macros. That comes from the DMG too, from three five. Oh, and whoever then, wrote that? Oh, he quoted. It. He did not well, like. It. He quoted it. Listen to this. He that's he crap. Here's how Macris rewrote it, and he disagrees with it. Plan. Here's how he rewrote it. Plan carefully to see that the conclusive scene of a closed campaign arbitrarily in the way you want them to. By centering the entire campaign on a set of victory conditions, you're putting yourself in a situation where you have to railroad the ending, so you'd better prepare that final sequence exhaustively. It must be exquisitely balanced so that they almost lose, but then win, no matter what does not, what choices they make. Set up the climactic sequence so your resident tacticians have no path except your path, no matter how much they want to choose otherwise. Ignore any sense of fairness to the players and design the encounter with options that allow you to arbitrarily make it harder or easier for the players so they end up doing what you want, how you want. When in doubt, lie to your players about what you rolled and just make up an outcome you think is better. I mean, here's <laughs> that's the bowl right there. Yeah, Patrick. I don't remember. I didn't read much from the DMG too. I still have it. I should look it up. I don't see the page number. Um, I do recall though. Uh, Flady said this. Uh, so spend all the time so your players can torpedo that in epic, epic fashion. Right. I did a four-hour prep on one dragon in epic play. You remember this, Joe? And four hours. And like I TPK'd the party the first time. My wife rewound it. They prepped for hours, came in on one roll. I failed. Dragon dead. And I wanted to lie, but I couldn't do it. Um, Yeah. That's a good, yeah, right. There's a good point, Darth. And realize that's not, to be clear, Alexander Macris was quoting that and he was saying, don't do that. That's a poop way to do it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what the DMG said, point blank. Puppet show. Yeah, it's a puppet show. That's that's not playing. That's not a game. No. That's that's the DM going, <laughs> I've got my fingers all in everything, and doesn't matter what you say. Bah. I'm trying to do rumble comments, but I can't. I, I made a comment over there. Yeah. I'm just and as you can see, because Rumble knows a thing or two about me, they have a crown next to my 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 um, username. Ooh, what does that mean? You the Kang? The Kang. You the Kang. Sweet. All right. No, it just means I'm an admin. <laughs> oh well, you're the king of our show. Anyway, but I think the, the article is really good. Um, he actually was a big proposal of emergent stories of. Uh, 
he he said he wasn't a fan of story arcs. Here's what he said a story arc was. And I remember thinking in terms of arcs for a while. A story arc is a meta story that links individual storylines together, but not every story is a part of a story arc. That was interesting. A story arc transforms adventurers and agents into actors and audience. Campaigns that use a story arc are directed stories. He was talking about how old D&D used to be mythological play. I remember thinking about the ancient Greek myths, like the Minotaur and all those stuff in, in King and King Midas and like all that. Episodic story. Episodic, yeah. And, um, and the way we do episodic in play is emergent. Yep. Oh. Hey, Malachi. Mal thanks, Malachi. thanks for clarity. That's good. Joe is it easy. <laughs> I know it may, the crown may look more like a tiara. I mean, if you, if you squint a little bit, it looks like a pot leaf too, but yeah. Unwelcome commentary from the peanut gallery. Malachi, bring in the comments. Keep directing it at Joe. He deserves it. He's that kind of guy. I can't point at him. I'm trying to watch my finger. There we go. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. It's opposite. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I can't keep that straight either. He had some good examples. I would encourage people to read it. He talked a lot about, and I think this is true, how um, CR kind of inhabited his examples, but he didn't really use it. I think like, he was talking about um, how he would prep a region with you know random encounters, but he talked about keeping within a level range. And I think that's probably good. I mean, you don't want to blitz your characters with tons of you know deadly encounters, unless, of course, you're going to say, look, the um, uh, dark wing swamps, you don't want to go there. That's nothing but death on a stick. And I'm, I did that back in the Greyhawk campaign back in the day. I'd be like, you guys remember the Valley of the Mage? Mm -hmm. I, put, I put major booga booga fear in you guys. You know, do that if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, you, sometimes that, that's fine. I mean, other people would more want the characters to ask the NPCs things and and discover or maybe they take a party out there and find, and get flattened and then you're like okay well let's not do that again but um if the dm does make some regions with random encounters and maybe puts a couple of really tough things in there and the players direct their characters around and they just you know blunder around without trying to even figure out anything mm -hmm. um they don't ask any questions <laughs> they're gonna wonder they're gonna wonder out there and get flattened probably he used a good a good example patrick says i think you can have a story arc be emergent he did say that story arcs can change on a whim according to what the players do correct i'll, I'll pimp out dm blackwall and horde wars what he had said at cabin con is a perfect way to run that kind of um macros calls it a story web basically it's him yeah, yeah. Regions. you have regions prepped which is how i'm going to kind of do the Hyperborea game and even the um, Deadlands game to a dis lesser extent. I'm um, going to have regions prepped in terms of what's supposed to be there. And I liked his advice and like maybe giving it a paragraph initially. And when the players head that way is when you spend more time, you know, flashing it out. Um, I think that's really good advice. It's strong advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, better. Well, all you, all you DMs out there um, do things to varying degrees. Um, prep is one of them. Some people like little to no prep and then have the um, dice rolls and player decisions kind of craft everything. And that's one way of doing things. And then there's another way, um, if you consider it as a continuum, 
the other end of that, or a spectrum, the other end of that is the DM who writes everything down like he's writing a novel. Yeah. Right? So one, it's you're doing all your work up front, and mu much of it may never be explored. Whereas the lazy DM method is um, could be a little chaotic. It can be. Now, some DMs... Because of the randomness of it. Yeah. But some DMs can handle it well. Uh, yeah. The key is knowing your world, knowing your setting, knowing your region, where they're playing, knowing what they're going to encounter. Darth Theak makes a comment. He says, if you're going to play D&D on Dark Souls difficulty, you do need to warn your players, but the diff difficulty of a game is entirely up to the group game taste. I agree. Yep. Yep. But I also think... Um, I think it's perfectly fine and valid that a first level party could run into a ancient green dragon. I mean, by that, I don't mean randomly. I mean, I, you could do it randomly. I'm fine with that too. But I think you could say, look guys, this world is living and breathing. I'm going to give you plenty of warning. You know, I'm going to say, Hey, um, there's remember that place in the, in the black river Valley campaign. I talked about out West was a whole region where there are a lot of land sharks. And Joe, yeah. Joe was like, Holy crap, dude, Randy, you know, we're second level. I'm like, yeah, I do. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. Yeah. Don't go there. So if you level. talk, if your characters, if you assume a, like a a level of knowledge that your characters should have a level of knowledge about the game world because they mm -hmm. live there, and then you feed a little bit of that to them, and then make them, um, or not make them, in order to find out more, they have to explore and or talk to people like the merchants coming into their town uh, and other people in town, maybe some older folks who've been around. I mean, there's ways to find out what's around to a general degree. And if you have a, if you have a, um, a road, that's a trade road that, that where there's merchants coming through it, it's gotta be safe to a particular, to a particular right. degree. Roads are a little, little safer in civilized regions. Sure. Um, and and if it's not, there might be a have, there might be the traders might have um, guards. All of them have guards with right. crossbows and and all of that. And that might be one job that the PCs have do have to do is guard a caravan, which is kind of a stereotypical um, task in our in our uh, milieu. So yeah, there's ways to find out, and there's ways to telegraph that the DM can use, and they don't have to worry about. Um, Springing something on the players, you have been warned one way or the other. <laughs> Patrick Demo, oh, first Rolling Bones, Ryan Howard, welcome. The bar Jimmy Buffett warned me about the land sharks. That's cool. Uh, Patrick Demo says, So now you give warnings, so you don't do invisible ogre mages with katanas anymore. We get warnings, yes, you do, Patrick. You're welcome. <laughs> we weren't warned about the invisible ogre mage with a katana. No, but, <laughs> that was but the old, was the old we way. did the the group did attack a um a bad guy encampment. It was a castle, right? Yes. Wasn't there a was castle a, there? It was a keep. I don't had overtaken, yeah. So there had to have been somebody powerful there. Right. Exactly how powerful we didn't know. But we did kind of just, you know, want to run up there and kick in the door. So yeah, I want to comment on those at Rumble. We got a couple of cool dudes commenting. Watchman 66 over. He's commenting here and there. Retro enthusiast, just like last week. And Patty Farmer Games. He's on, dude, on Rumble. Look at that. Yeah. 
Yes, it's very cool. Patty says, a warning and ruin the deadly surprise? I agree. I generally don't like it, but I've got enough crying and whining and then I felt I should probably give a warning every now and again. Well, sometimes you get surprised. You do, sometimes. But um, Like I did um, poisonous what? snakes out of nowhere, killing your character that you just hey, made. It could be, yeah, the character you just rolled runs into a nest of poisonous snakes. I mean, it's kind of a thing. Yeah, especially at Randy's table. Right. I'm down with poisonous uh, snake nest killing Ryder and Mount. It's always a good time. Um, <laughs> I did like his second article, too, though it was kind of the first. And the second, and he referred to a first that I couldn't find. But he ranked the DMs, uh, and you should read that article, too. It's some good, good advice, and it got me thinking about, I'm kind of inspired to run a little more like this. Um, the judge first, world builder second, adversary third, storyteller last. In fact, he he said you should do it, um, but it shouldn't be the big thing. You're not writing your own story. I don't even know if I like adversary so much. I mean, you're adver- adversarial as in maybe lightly. You're you're presenting challenges, and they should be challenging, and they shouldn't be pushovers. So maybe that's what he means by being adversarial, not I the so. Um, yeah. Because some people take the adversarial role a little too seriously and say, it's 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 my job to kill the PCs, which it's not really. <laughs> oh, uh, Death Dog 13 on Rumble says, make sure to select the monetize option to enable Rumble rants. I don't know what that is, but that sounds fun. Well, um, have you tried Death Dog? Um, because I see it here. There's a... Um, a selection down here where you can, it, there's a green circle with a dollar sign in it. So I think you can do it. Uh, because it says the, the streams are monetized. Oh, okay. On, on, on the back end, it says that they're monetized. Now, if they do that, we'll only see that. Will we see that on the live chat part? Or I'll have to go to the full. I don't know. Someone should test that feature out. <laughs> oh, Rumble Rants is like Super Chats. Death kind Dog, of. He says he'll check it. Death it's Dog. like Super Chats without the thousand uh, user uh, requirement. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So Mage's Musing, Almanol said something about Mage's Musing's adventures are fun to watch his recaps. That sound, is, that a, is that a channel? That sounds familiar. I've seen it in Mage's Musing somewhere. I'm sure it's something he could tell me about. Um, anyway, so Death Dog 13 checking that out. But I thought that second article was pretty good. Um he, he concluded with that you should never fudge dice rolls. And I think I'm at that point. I'm just not interested in fudging dice rolls. Right. Because how do you know how the game is, is um, if the game is playing well, if you're always fudging the dice? Yeah. It becomes an arbitrary, a practice in arbitrariness. So um, you don't, why don't you want that result? Why is it upsetting you? Why do you think you need to change it? Uh, the players are going to die. Oh, no. Well, it's a piece of paper. You just fold that up, get a new one out, and make a new character. Well, my, my bad guy is going to get trounced. Oh, well. That's the way it works. Yeah, life in the big city, man. That's It's a game. Yeah. I know it says role-playing first, and some people will say, well, it's role-playing first. I'm sure. like, no, no. The way English works is that is a descriptive thing adjective that modifies what you're doing 
It's role a game that involves a role playing. And yeah. uh, so how much you get into the role as far as the pretendy acty part, there's no requirement. There's no, um, this is how much you're supposed to get into it. It is totally up to the player. So um, it's a game and treat it as a game. Do you, do you, do you re-roll in when you're playing um, um, Monopoly? Do you re-roll when you're doing any of these, any board games? Well, you might because you're a cheater. But. Right. Good point. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I agree. Um, let it. Let here we go. 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 Well, Van. Joe. Joe got lucky, Green Apple. Don't encourage him. Don't encourage that dude. Joe is right again. <laughs> well, what you should really do, it's a, that the sentence is slightly redundant with the mm -hmm. again part. So you should, next time you can just, you know, leave it off. Joe is right. I mean, that's just, you know, kind of, um, it's like earth is round. Joe is right. I think he meant to say, you know, um, a broken clock is right twice a day. And so Joe was right again. <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> Halcyon H is cheating, playing the angles, potato, potato. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then there was that second article that they made a list of about these were he's talking about narrative consequentialism. Sounds fancy. It's this guy on uh, Dwellers in the Forbidden City. I don't know how old this is. I think it's pretty hard. Um, he said playing the the role of a you know you manipulate the game with cheating or fudging or having more narrative control he says it's a bad idea especially in dnd and he mentioned several things as to why the one that i thought was interesting um i had never thought of it's more of a burden on a ref if you're going to manipulate things, manage mm -hmm. and monitor, monitor story beats and try to change, make sure outcomes turn out and conclusions you know, result in certain things. That's it's a lot of work. And, like, you know, when you, you know, the classic situation, we're going to, okay, Joe's character is, is, is a warrior. He's destined to become king and he's first level. Oh, boy. Hey, something happened on Rumble. He did something it. Something happened on Rumble. Watchman 66 over. What is that article link, please? I think it's going to be. Can can you? Are the article links going to be? I can post whatever you want me to. Yeah, give um, me uh, the uh, Macris ones. Watching sixty six over. What is the article link? Please, you can find him on. The, it's the Escapist, but Joe will post. I'm typing in dog. Which which one are we talking? I think he wants the one from Alexander Macris. Uh, the two that are. Well, there's two of them. Yeah, give him both of them. He deserves two for two dollars. Two for two dollars. That's what I'm talking about. Well done, sir. We want the we want those two dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Boivin, I thought you were going to hit this one. He says a toothbrush is a brush, not a tooth. <laughs> right. Yes. Good point. Correct. Brush for your teeth. And I believe Green Apple tooth. said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Dar says if the judge cannot be trusted to follow the rules. How can you expect the players to follow the rules? Yep. Know the rules and deny them. <laughs> that would be cheap. All right. Sweet. Thanks. Watchman 66 over. Joe just made it happen. Look at his wizarding skills. <laughs> um, there's one I didn't quite get. So he has a list of eight things. Here's another one. He said descent. 
D-I-S-S-E-N-T. This is the forbidden, forbidden dwellers in the forbidden city article. Uh, not sure on this one. What if it says, what if players don't like the DM's narrative? I guess that's possible. He's saying that if you cheat and mess with the narrative and do this and that and control the story, that you're kind of. Um... I'm answering a question. Um, it looks like Pat, Patty's Parlor Games is having a hard time figuring out how to do a rant. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to. Okay, so I'll keep going. Um, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Since so we need to take. What is this, Halcyon? I don't think I agree with this. How about we talk about taking players' feelings into consideration? Absolutely not. I don't care how players feel. Do what you're told. <laughs> Play how you're supposed to. Choose the right spells. Do the right actions on the round so my monster can look cool. <laughs> uh yeah, I agree. Six Nations, he's on fire too. That's what the elements are for. Hot, cold, etc. Right on. <laughs> Joe's, you type in the chat box, click on the... Oh, I'm, I'm reading. <laughs> Who's this biggest geekest guy? He's commenting. <laughs> this is not good for me. I have to get... The biggest geekest guy is the Kang as far as you're concerned. I already was something a little... There's a ago. crown right there for a reason. I think it's Tierra. I'm with... Uh, Thank you for your rant, Watchman66 over. Yeah, All I'm, right. with, um, I'm with Malachi. <laughs> I think he's queen. Um, oh, here's a good one. If you do all that cheating and fudging and messing with the story, what about tactical challenges? How can players get better? That's his comment. Right. So if you're if you're always adjusting things, there's no there's no consistency that the the players can play off of. And I also think that both Macris and he made this comment, but I I agree with this, and I thought of Thirteenth Age explicitly. It says there's no sense of achievement if every fight has, oh, it looks deadly, you're finally getting the upper hand, and you win. If there's a predictable pattern to every fight and the players always win, there's no sense of achievement. And what if, like, as you get better, all the monsters always get better. When you fight, like, in 13th Age, if you fight orcs at first level, they're going to be first level orcs. If you fight them at eighth level, they're going to be eighth level orcs, even if they're mooks. And that's a little... I mean, it's... That's that's okay. It can be. I mean, it, it's one thing if, okay, so you have an orc. If there's no description to go along with it, if you have two orcs standing next to each other and everything about them is visually identical, but one is first level and one is eighth level, you know, and, and then, then that's where the problem lies. There should be some indicator, you know, the eighth mm -hmm. level, so to speak, orc right. is going to have better looking equipment, maybe a little bit beefier or maybe more, uh, maybe he um, moves differently. I know uh, there's ways to describe things that will be a giveaway and it can make sense. Um, not every, so when you get to eighth level, it's not like every orc is going to be eighth level. You may run into one or two. They might be the leaders of the, you're going to have a bunch of orcs. Most of them are going to be first level. There will be, then there will be some that are higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Patty says he's having a little trouble on his. He can't find it on his phone. Maybe it's the phone. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can figure that one out too. Yeah. Uh, Green Apple says I can. Although I can understand fudging if you are playing a game where character creation takes likely three hours, only a bit. Um, I've heard that. So who made the comment? 
that was at risk that they hated because you could spend hours making a character and then get blitzed in one scene and dead. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like uh, the growth from adversity, Rudy. That's a good point. Um, it talks about agency, takes away from that. The immersion part, um, I like how he quoted it in this article. This is the guy from Dwellers in the Forbidden City. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth. I'm more toward this article, but I'll go back to Macris too. He said, um, he, he referenced the idea that I've often said, life is dangerous, Frodo Baggins. If you can die in one shot, if life is unpredictable, if things bad can happen to you, it mimics real life. It'll be easier to get into that if you're like, man, the world's dangerous. I mean, even now, bad things can happen to you. You can be in a car crash tomorrow. So, um, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was interesting. Now let's let's. I think we're all. Let's flip to the other side. Uh, there's another Gnome Stew article, which was kind of interesting. But before I get into that a little bit, and I'm only going to do that a little bit, um, here's kind of a definition, and I think I got it. No, yeah, this is from the Gnome Stew article. They refer to the DM as a um, – oh, hold on. Malachi says, to the Rift's complaint, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Um, fair enough, I guess, but I think sometimes you can get smoked um, maybe without – I mean, stupid – if you've never played Rifts and you go up to a creature that's you know, supposedly, like, I don't know a lot about the creatures in Rifts. I may pick a fight with something that appears to be manageable and the other player's like, no, dude, that's ridiculously powerful. And I'm not saying you should save me because I don't care, but I could see how a player could feel a little put out by it. I mean, we used to play third edition 3-5. If you spend an hour and a half on your 10th level character and then he gets killed the first round of combat by a death spell, that was hard for some people to take in our group. Heck, we, sure. had, we had players in that Elysium campaign that didn't believe we should have real death at all. Yeah. It's part of the it's part of the hobby that in most of these games, there is the risk for death uh, for your character to be annihilated. A real one. Yep. I mean, if if it's just kind of like, yeah, you could die, you know, if all of these weird situations happen all the same time, not just turn the corner. There's a, a, a trap. You fall on a bunch of spikes and you're dead. It took me 10 hours to make that character. Oh, well, I kind of feel that way too. Um, it's part of the game. Yeah. Um, point blank. makes a comment about 13th age. And I think, I, I think I agree with him. And when you said it too, he says, um, yeah, orc scaling with the world was okay, especially in 13th Age, because someone may have the orc lord as a negative icon. I'm not against the scaling orcs. I just want some sort of predictability. I mean, I don't think orcs in general should be dangerous at every level. Um, what I mean by that is you can find some orcs that are tougher. You can have an orc leader. But I have a hard problem when you're playing ninth level in 13th Age, and all of a sudden the mooks do 40 damage, and they're just mook orcs. Right, right. You no, know, but I guess you could have an elite, you could say elite fighting force. But the biggest problem I have is I just hate the predictability of it. Um, oh, Patty's got a rant. Yep, Patty, Patty pulled out his laptop. Look at him, dude. He don't play. Yeah, Patty's Parlor Games two dollar rant. I quickly dug out my laptop, knowing that you guys get the full amount, makes it easier to give. Have to go, have to uh, go vote now. 
Love from the parlor. Aww. Right on, dude. Vote them. Get those turds out. Bring the people you want in. That's what I'm talking about. Fight the power. And Six Nation says, some days it could just be poor dice rolls. Nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. That, poor, <laughs> poor dice rolls. If if you bend dice rolls because the result of those rolls don't match up with the story you want to tell, then we're we're just not playing the game anymore. We're just following along your story. Omen also says scaling makes getting levels kind of worthless. It can. You have to be careful how you do it. I don't have a right. problem with you. you have a right. special type of orc, an urukai who is really tough. You know that's fine. Right. So I I don't really have a problem with scaling orcs. But I understand that probably saying orcs will scale within this region, say one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. or something like that. But once you get to a certain point, you shouldn't really be fighting orcs except in bunches. So throw a bunch of orcs down there. We know they're not very tough, but it's part of how things work. You have an army. There's a bunch of orcs at the front, um, cannon fodder, so to speak. You, you get through them, and then you f face the real challenges. So it makes sense within the world. Yeah, it does. And, I, and, I, and I'm not against, like I said, I'm not fully against scaling. I just think you have to be careful. Otherwise, I think I'm with Omenal sometimes. It just makes advancement just kind of. Um, the not, the last Gnomes 2 article, I think it was by the Phil Vecchion is his name. And um, he and I kind of hit and miss a lot on whether I agree with him or not. But um he defines, he splits up the storyteller and the story facilitator, which is kind of weird. The facilitator, he says, the storyteller is the idea that the scenario they are running is a story that they are telling the players and that they have some idea of the outcome, outcomes of the story when it concludes. Their job is to make that story unfold and guide the players through it. The players are to play their characters and move through the story. I don't, no. I don't think that's wrong if you want to play that way. You can do that. Right. But it takes I get that. Takes away from agency for sure. Well, I'm not even talking about agency. That's not. Well, go ahead. It's not about agency. To mm -hmm. me, playing D and D. Now, other games, different story. Mm -hmm. Especially storyteller games that are set up and designed to be like that. Yeah. Fine, but in uh, in D and D, that's not the game. I don't it's, know. I don't think it's ever really been the game, even even um, at the height of the thespian type of stuff that Gygax was talking about. I don't think he was talking about that because that that just doesn't to me. That says you're not playing D and D. You're playing some other game. That smells like fate. The game that shall not be named. That I keep naming. Um, yeah, and I think Omenal says it. Um, it takes everybody's buy-in for that type of game to work, 100%. 100%. Um, Calvin Oni's in the house. Um, so, yeah, that's. I think that's a weird thing to do. Um, he were Especially knowing the outcome. This is where I want you at. Yeah. This is the outcome I want to have. You must defeat or you must lose or something else if your group is going to do this joe we're going to tell the story where joe's character who is going to become king we're going to tell that story and you allow some freedom within the story to be a little different we all know where it's heading i guess it could be fun 
for a few nights, but it feels like we're just kind of hand me a script and let's go. That's what it feels like, I guess. But people could like it. He refers to a story facilitator as the idea that they have an idea of how things will start, but are totally open to how the story will end. Their job is to set things up and then make way for the player to determine how, how things will end. They are equally as surprised as the players and how the story turns out. That sounds like it's more like, that sounds more like what Macros was talking about. Um, he said, storyteller does best with a group of players who are more focused on the actions of their characters rather than the flow and structure of the story. That doesn't. I don't get that exactly. That's that not, doesn't match up to me. I don't think so either. Yeah. He said the facilitator does well when paired with players who also have an interest in shaping the story. Their focus is less on their. He's kind of a loosey kind of indie kind of game guy. So he says he's. I don't. I'm not. I don't think his article actually follows through very much. It's kind of weird. Sounds like he doesn't under. He he, like a lot of people, they take a word and they just put too much underneath the one word. Why don't you use definitions that everybody or that most people agree with? Like when you say storyteller, you expect the story to be the more important thing than the character's actions um, for the most part. The story to story when you're story based, mm -hmm. almost everybody I've heard talk about it. It doesn't matter what the characters do. They're going to be here. Yeah. At and this they're point, like, they're going to be there at that point. Everything's going to, doesn't matter what you do, you're going to be over here because I'm going to make that happen that way. when folks talk about it. Yeah, Darth says, hold on, shoot, Rowan. Darth says, with, a, with as hard as it is to just get a group to agree on what to do in a dungeon, how do you think the players will react nowadays to you? We'll, we'll do what my story says you will. Well, you know what? I kind of wonder. I think some people are okay with it. Yeah, I do too. Because um, that's just everybody plays. I mean, most a lot of people. There's chunks of people that play a particular way, and there's lots of different subgroups in our hobby. A lot of people like immersion story. I'm a very big proponent of that. Yeah. Uh, set me down in your world, even if you have re regions determined. That helps some actually. When you yeah. have some, when you have a framework. Then you can say, "Hey, I'm going to go do that." Right, a framework. How about we? How in which yeah, to framework works? A framework within to be within which to be creative. That's just like so. How do you feel now about say adventure paths? Are you kind of against them? Well, I don't. But then again, the way I run them, you don't. It really depends know. on. Yeah. It depends on how the DM runs it. If he's yeah. using it as a framework, and right. it doesn't, get, you know, get his panties in a twist of. You don't talk up to a particular shopkeeper who has the information you need, mm -hmm. and then you just go do your own thing. And that it's just part of, if it's part of their framework and they can easily adapt to what you're doing. Yeah. Then I can have fun with an adventure path or a module or whatever. It doesn't matter. It matters on it matters more how the DM handles the player's actions. Right. And I think it's a, a much more fun game when you do it that way. Yeah. Not the not the um I have a story to tell. Right. Join me on this cool story we're telling. Yeah. Uh wanna pimp out uh Mr. Boivan's reactionary principle gaming. He has a video about character development he's doing tomorrow. He talks about how character advancement can be offset a bit. All right. Check out his stuff. Mr. Boivan does good, good videos. Yeah. Um 
Did you get to read the RPG manifesto that link that I put on there? I started to, but quit after a few lines. There's only a handful. I'm going to read. I think it's tell what you. I'll just read them and tell what you think. I don't get it. I thought it was kind of. I don't know if this is dumb or good. I'm intrigued to see what you think. I want to read each one. It's it's, it's something they claim that should be written in every role playing game book. <laughs> listen, listen. I know it's it's the universal's tricky. These rules are written on paper, not etched in stone tablets. Good. Rules are suggested guidelines, not required edicts. Fine. If the rules don't say you can't do something, you can. No. No, that's that's dangerous. You can't necessarily fly just because the rules say you don't say you can't. Correct. There are no official answers, only official opinions. Uh, that's kind of weak. I'm not sure what that is either. When dice conflict with the story, the story always wins. <laughs> you love that, don't person. You? Yeah, this person is on 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 uh, soy milk. He's going down. He's IV. going down the downhill IV. fast. By IV, yeah. Right. Um, how about this? Let's see. Um, uh, what? You're on min maxing. What's You're man? on min maxing. What? I am. Hold on one second. On Rumble, Watchman six six over on YT on YouTube. His talk. I don't know what he means. Hold on. On YouTube, his talk. He's it's question. He's questioning. Oh, right. Oh, I'm not sure what he's questioning. I agree. With I still don't know what he's questioning. Me neither. A little confused. Watchman sixty six over. Um, let me finish this up. Min max. Oh, oh 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 oh. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can we answer it? We're reading, we're reading a post on DD Wiki. That's where this is coming from. From a uh the the manifesto uh role-playing game manifesto. I'll post a link. Hold on. Yeah, there'll be a link to that. Do that. Now I think that's what we're reading from. Yeah. He said the guy I pimped out though. I'm not sure who I was pimping. Alexander Macris is the one I was liking. You can find him. You can Google his name. You can check out the Escapist too. There you go. Yeah, that's the. This is the, the RPG manifesto. Oh, Point Blank says the dice are the story. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Min maxing and munching. Back to the RPG manifesto. So he had a couple of good ones and he went downhill. Joe's not liking it. Min maxing and munchkinism aren't problems with the game. They're problems with the player. They can be both and. It sounds like it sounds like this guy's a whiner. It does. Oh, he made a character more powerful than me. The game master has full discretionary power over the game. Yeah. His game. His game. And as I said before, you can boycott and leave. He presents the world. I mean, it's it's bad form to just toss the rules out arbitrarily. Yep. Because that kind of goes along with this. The DM can just do what he wants to, rule of cool or whatever. Right. That's not a good way to go. I don't think but, so. But um, when the DM presents his his the, the world, it's his, and then you play in it, and then you work together to have a good time. I like what Mr. Blavan says. If your story is so important that they will override the dice, don't have the players roll. Yep. Yeah, why roll? All right, the next one. The game master has always said that. The game master always works with, not against the players. Nah. I don't know either. Don't know what that means. 
Me neither. Sometimes I think I do work against you on purpose to make it fun. A game that is not fun is no longer a game. It's a chore. Yeah, duh. Yeah, yeah. I don't get this. This book contains the answers to all things. What's is he book? saying that? That's weird. Is he saying, I guess, because it's supposed to be printed in all RPG books. So he's now saying the book has all the answers, but a few lines up, he says the DM has full discretionary power. And the rules are written on paper, not in stone. Yeah. How, right. uh, so, yeah, they're answers that are not written in stone, so who cares? And then the last one is when the above does not apply, I make it up. Yeah, that's kind of, see, I was like dumb. I liked a few of them. Most of them were dumb. This, this should just, you know, what this should do is motivate people when they meet this person, you know, give them a wedgie or something. <laughs> this is stupid. Uh, uh, let's see. Cal says, gay masters are always suspicious. That's enough. We need safe spaces. Yes. <laughs> we need to disarm gay masters. Six Nations said disarm or dismember. Oh, wow. They are getting hard. If you need a safe space, maybe you should go out and eat some steak. Get some (laughs) testosterone in your blood. A big juicy steak, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the last article was interesting. was actually pre-fifth edition, um, comparing DM as judge versus DM as storyteller. And he was talking, leaning toward 5e. He's got a couple of interesting comments. He said... For the storyteller DM, combat is sports. And for the judge DM, combat is war. What do you think of that? What was the first part again? He said, for a storyteller, this is a different article, the last one. It's a a EN World article. Joe will link it in the show notes. Um, He said, um, let me give you some definitions. He said, the DM as judge does make sure that the players follow the rules, makes rulings when they do things that fall into the gray areas of the rules are completely outside of. They should be impartial. Um, he talked about a judge DM sees combat as war and a storyteller GM sees combat as sports. He talked about one DM who had fought, talked about his party had fought a hundred combats over the course of the campaign. None of them were too hard except for the one where he made a mistake. You know, I would need for me that those two, that, that line of thinking to make any sense, he would need to describe what he means mm-hmm. because combat in many of these games is integral to play. Yes. So whether it's, war to the dm or sports to the dm uh, i don't know that that's even why should anybody care yeah well i think his point was i think his point is and he doesn't define those terms he might have had a link somewhere i didn't see it but i think what he means is um that combat oh 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 oh, oh. maybe uh reactionary gaming principal mr max bovan uh, says and this is probably right in sports, you try to make things fair. In war, all is fair. Yeah. yeah. Talked, that, makes, talked, that makes sense. And he talked about how he, he thought both third and fourth edition tried to curtail, curtail judge GMs by setting CRs, 
DC scale, mm-hmm. a massive number of rules. We talked about that, how third edition yeah, yeah, yeah. codify everything. And that fourth edition was definitely a storyteller's dream. I would say 13 days even more because the combat's very predictable. It's not very yeah. This is a cool example. Let me read this to you. This is kind of cool, he said, and tell me what you think of it. Imagine that the players are trying to hire an ogre as a mercenary. In first edition, the DM would roll on the reaction table, take the result, then play out the reaction, then decide fiat, what the ogre will do. In 3.5, the DM would choose the attitude of the ogre, fiat, and then use the rules to decide what the ogre will do. In either case, the same amount of fiat is being used. Just in first edition, the DM uses it to adjudicate the success or failure of the PC's action. He called that a DM as judge. While in 3.5, the DM uses it to frame the scene, DM as storyteller. That is why I think that neither being a judge or a storyteller require more DMing effort. It's just the DMing effort pops up in different places. I don't know what the last part. What did you think of that? Too much to think about? Is that a lot of words? It's a lot of words, but... Um, the DM in first edition rolls and reaction table, takes the result, they play it out. In third edition... Potentially. Make, yeah. Yeah, react... Okay, so if you meet an ogre out in the wild, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it all depends on on the context of how you meet said ogre. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If the... if if it was even possible to hire an ogre to hire one. Right. I mean, going out into the wild and trying to find an ogre. Oh, you happen to roll it randomly. Um, and uh, then you do your reaction roll. Mm-hmm. You don't always, the reaction roll isn't a straight jacket and then you no. don't have to roll it. It all depends on, if if there's like a known ogre, let's say there's an ogre over the hill in that cave uh, by the big tree, you could approach that as a role-playing situation instead right. of combat. And you just tromp up there, knock on his door, and depending on the disposition or the um, temperament of the ogre that you may already know, if you don't, maybe you can roll a reaction. But if you already know what the, the ogre is like... You could roll the reaction. Um, Elman, I was saying you literally follow the reaction rules. Yeah, you can. You can just follow it. You can say he's friendly. But what does it mean for an ogre to be friendly? Is he is he like everybody else? It may just mean I'm full. I don't necessarily want to kill you. I mean, I can't imagine an ogre being like, hey, let's be buds, even on a friendly okay. That's Weird. On your way to the ogre, you find uh, a... Um, a um, or you bring a cow with you. You say, knock on the door. Hey, Mr. Ogre, I've got a big juicy cow out here for you. You want to talk? You right. may still do a reaction roll, but it's not it can modify. a requirement. No, it's not. I think there's room for the DM to do what he wants. But everybody can do, you know, they can do it. They can let the reaction rolls be with. I did that back in the day. I'd roll reaction rolls. Go, oh, he's, he's bored. He's neutral. So he doesn't come out swinging. That's the way I interpret it. But monsters are... They're monsters for a reason. Yeah. I mean, you could have this too. Reactionary principle gaming with Mr. Bax Pavan. There's an ogre behind the bridge. Yeah, that's a known ogre. It's Bill the Ogre. He's pretty nice. Could be. Nothing would stop that. 
and you know, the context matters in any of that. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was just his. I'm not sure I fully agree, but I do see how three E. We've already said three kind of t- tried to take the rules away from the out of the DM's hands, and that was my least favorite. Um, Highly did, codified rules gives has there's some problems with it. Um, especially when it was a less codified system beforehand. So your expectations change. Um, So I can see why DMs thought that that some of their ability to just make determinations on their own was taken out of their hands because of the extra rules that got made in the game Uh, to provide fairness. Maybe I know uh, I've played with under a lot of DMs. Yep. And it can be a crapshoot whether you have a DM that um, is there to have a good time or is there to kill you. Correct. To kill your character. Right. And hopefully not kill you, but yeah. Yeah, that would be worse. That'd be much worse. Uh, so I get the feeling that most of us, I mean, I'm going to go back to it. I kind of liked Macros's ranking of the GM's jobs. Judge, world builder, you kind of balked a little bit at adversary. I do feel like you're the adversary. I don't mean like you're trying to make their life miserable at every turn, which adversary does imply that. I think you are the challenge maker. You should yeah. challenge, you should at times challenge them. I think that may not even be necessary, but as a DM, you should. I think it is. I mean, I don't, and don't pull punches. Maybe that's what they mean also by adversary. Yeah. Maybe don't pull punches. Storyteller is a piece of it. I could see times where you might take a little liberal, you know, liberal exception of things. Uh, if players really put it, if you do, you know, if I do something, I tend not to want to do things, but I'll be like, I don't ask Joe, hey, I'm going to make this NPC somebody you know. And what do you think of that? But I won't push it too hard. I may say, you recognize this guy from years ago. And Joe will be like, if Joe goes with it, I know he's interested. He might, oh, yeah, okay. That's fine. I skip over him. Okay, Joe doesn't care. So let's move on. You know, I think I, I try to read the room, and but sometimes I will take a little creative license with your character and your background, especially if you give me information. But I, what I find is most players like that, and they want to jump in and hook something and be a part of it. So Right. Yeah. So that's about as far as I like to go with the storyteller part. So, But I, I think most of us here would agree judge, referee, Arbiter. I like the word arbiter. That's uh, Alexander Macris. Um, Mr. Malachi commented on this. I'm going to put this up. Alexander Macris also has a YouTube channel. I believe it's called Arbiter of Worlds. Yeah. He talks about stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if he's, I wouldn't call him Mr. Perfection, but I do like some of the stuff he says. As a player, I'm a more, um, I like the DM to be more judge, referee, arbiter than storyteller yeah i think again to put it's still a good tool to use yes right so you can fill in the storyteller when it's nest when when it when it'll work but yeah i would say a light touch oh shauner says he's reading from his new book okay oh the arbiter of worlds book i need to that's an older book isn't it didn't i think that's what i've saw too there's a book arbiter of worlds he's just reading from it okay Cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Shauna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it's right. It's me too, Sean. It's new to me. I get you. I, I just I just noticed that. Anyway, Grand Poobah. That's a good name for a GM. Um, all right. Shall we move into segment two? What is it? Nine thirty? Are we? Do we, should we have a segment two? What do you think? Oh bud? crap! Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we work. should push this. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we push that? Um, we talked about Big Geek Con. We have someone already bought the tickets. Those that come in late, Joe has got the uh, tabletop event set up for Big Geek Con. You can buy your ticket. Shauner says, I think in regards to Macris, it's rehash Gygax stuff. Okay. I like Gygax. I have no issue with him. So, but I'll, I'll check it out. Um, anyway, uh, anything from Big Geek Emporium? Anything new and exciting there? Well, we're getting ready to have um, bundled products available, or the option oh, to bundle cool. products available, which many people have asked for for a while now. Thanks, Rudy. Yeah, he's we're looking for you buying a ticket. I've got a um Playing the, games, in right? the dis- video description over on YouTube, and cool. uh, let's see, there should be a link toward the top of the live chat to the tabletop event tabletop events website where um, ticket sales are being held for the con. Cool. They are $30 yes. for, a two, for two days, which is a good deal. Yes, it is. Hotels. I wanted to, I wanted to um, strangle Randy when he said 30. <laughs> I was trying to get him to say 50, but he went 30 because I'm, he liked you guys. I like people, man. I can't just steal their money except when they're not looking. Oh, he and his brother both will be there. Right on, dude. Sweet. Sounds like cool. Um, what else? I guess that's it, man. You about ready to boogie on out of here? Joseph, how you feel? Yes, I am feeling it. Okay, then. If you'd like to support our show, please like, subscribe, and share us. Do the clicks, do the likes, do the subscribes, do all the cool algorithmic things to make YouTube and Rumble. I don't know if Rumble needs it. Thanks for those that are in Rumble. Patty's oh, yeah. It, has, it, has, it needs to be massaged as well. Patty's back, and we're leaving. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, PayPal, Streamlabs, Ko-Fi, Patreon, if you want to give us a little cash. Yes. Subscribe. Or apparently Rumble Rants. We can get cash there, too. Yep, Rumble Rants. Four bucks tonight. Sweet. Joe and I are going to party hard on four bucks. Yeah. Um, check our website out, biggestgeekespodcast.com. You can email us at thegeeks at biggestgeekespodcast.com. Or, most importantly, check out games at Big Geek Emporium, biggeekemporium.com. You can check out all the really cool stuff. Um, thanks for showing up, Point Blank, and Rudy, and all these guys. Some of these names I don't remember. Good to see Shauna in the house again and commenting. Uh, we can happily disagree, and uh, it's all groovy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody's game style yeah, is fine at their table if they're all having a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm out of here. He likes rehash. <laughs> you guys take care. So this is Randy. And this is Joe. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. <laughs>